0: Welcome to episode 27 of the Boulak podcast. I'm Marsha links and with me as always is Ursula Lindsay and we are recording from Rabat, Morocco, where today we're going to talk a little bit about the International Prize for Arabic Fiction shortlist, which recently came out, um, some about Tunis, about Algerian literature and translation, and where do you start with Arabic literature.
1: Yeah, we want to, you know, get that sorted and out of the way at the, <laughs> at the, to- at the top of the show, because I'm sure it won't take long. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll move on to some news. Um, but so this, this question, where do you start with Arabic literature came up for you once again, recently, because I was I was on another podcast called Reading Glasses,
0: talking about bulak, and one of the questions they asked me was, where, so where does someone start with Arabic literature? And when I googled it, I found that actually I had written responses to this question um, periodically throughout the years. I'm sort of famous in my own mind for forgetting things that I've written. But I went and approached the question all afresh all over again, since that's the positive thing about the sort of amnesia that I have. Um, in the moment in this podcast, I, I believe I just sort of, uh, 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 well, you know, where do you start with, with, you know, a 1500 year, uh, literary tradition? Uh, do I just recommend something that came out last week in this kind of way that we always fixate on what is absolutely new? And once something's been released more than a month, well, forget it. It's not fresh anymore. We can't talk about it. Um, which is, you know, I think 90% of the coverage out there, or do I,
1: you know. So not that approach then. That, well, I, like,
0: I do like that approach because, okay, oh, I, since I have a terrible memory, I do remember, oh, well, uh, of the books I've read so far in 2019, they're pretty fresh in my memory.
1: I think the la- one of the last great books that you really liked is a totally valid Way, I mean, is one of the many totally valid ways to answer that question, right? I mean, you know,
0: right. So because I, because I realize that I've been stymied by this question so often, it is a question that people ask. Hey, here I am, um, whatever, Sam Wainwright, uh, living in Buffalo, New York, um, and I, I've, I've, i I am a bibliophile. I read whatever, widely, but I've never read Arabic literature and translation. Where do I where do I start? I mean, actually, I think, you know, part of the question is you don't need to start. It's not like a separate universe that you need a particular point of entry into. It's just books like other books. But I did, so I did put it on Twitter as a sort of a survey. Um, you know, classical, sort of pre-modern classic, like Mutanabi or Malakat uh, or you know, the foundations of Arabic literature or, uh, or a Mahfouz era classic, you know, they only allow you four, four choices, uh, something very new, you know, some a 2019 release, or just shrug at them and tell them, this is an impossible question.
1: What have you been talking about? Yeah, the fourth option, I think, isn't, isn't that's the what I would say, no. I mean, <laughs> I think if someone asks you any question that sort of shows a desire to right, right. get into any literature, it's not fair to, you know, basically condescend to them in some way, to, right. to the degree of sort of being like, well, it's so complicated, I couldn't possibly answer your question. Uh, or it's, you know, it's an undefinable, you know, right. genre, whatever. Um, and then I, I think the other three w- are all valid. What what kind of responses did you get from people? All right. Well, so the the winner of the survey, with about 150 votes,
0: was Mafuzera era classic, but not by... Not by a tremendous amount, but there were probably more, even more responses than there were poll answers. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of people who objected to the question. <laughs> um, That's because you have a lot of academics. Responding. Yes, it was mostly <laughs> academics who objected <laughs> to the question, um, or gave absurd answers. Um, Or said, you should tell them they have to learn Arabic if they want to read Arabic literature.
1: Um... But one wouldn't give that, I mean, I don't think, because this question also could be asked of French literature Italian, or any literature. Um, Where do I you mean, start with Russian literature, what would I say? Arabic literature is slightly different because it encompasses more, the other ones would be more like a national literature, right? right. Often the, con- right. the country corresponds right. to a language. So already Arabic literature, it is. Um, it is, you're running into this issue of, uh, sort of representing a region. And I bet you that that happens also with, say, like African literature. Or, right. Right. Like that in a way, European literature is, there's a one-to-one correspondence in translate. Like it gets, you know, there's Polish literature probably, you know, but but then when we look at other parts of the world, probably the categories kind of expand right, right. It's, it is a bit like asking where do I start with Asian literature like what I don't know right although in Arabic though there is one language right so right. there is that um uh, although rarely would you come across
0: anybody and I'm not that person either who has really a grasp on the entire regions right Breadth of literature, sure. Uh, I uh, see. Even you can tell by my questions a Mafu era classic. I'm right. already leaning. You know, putting my elbow on Egypt.
1: Well, of course, because you lived there, and it's your and and it is sort of one of the ones that you're spe- You know, specialized in. I mean, but I think there's ways. I think the answer will always be, you know, personal. You know, this, this is where I think you should start. Right, right. it's not you know, for me, the books that I'm going to think of are going to be the first books that I started reading. And because I moved to Egypt, <laughs> that was the first Arab country I lived in, I disproportionately, it, it you know, the books I'm thinking of are still Egyptian books, or right. the literature that I'm the most familiar with. But I think it's normal to be the most, I mean, in my case, at least, so that I'm sort of get interested in literature, partly because I... I end up in the place um, or get interested in a place, you know, I don't think I would have started reading Egyptian literature if I hadn't moved to Egypt. For some people, that's different. Well, I I'm sort of the opposite.
0: So I get interested in a literature. I was interested, I think, you know, I arrived in Cairo and I had my Proustian sort of, I I was obsessed with Mufus. I went to Cairo Mm. and then, and then...
1: For me, it was the opposite. I moved to Cairo, and then I'm pretty sure one of the first novels I read was the trilogy. And it was being there suddenly made me so interested in the, in the literature. And then the sort of being there and the reading kind of complemented each other, right? right? Like the book became so much more interesting to me because I could sort of put it in relation with the reality I was living in. And the reality was sort of like enriched by the book, um, I mean, I think, personally, certainly you could put Mahfouz on any list uh, for sort of starting off in Arabic literature. Right. The other thing is, me, personally, I've, like, never read much of the classics at all. So I've always read sort of mostly modern
0: Right, contemporary literature. releases.
1: Not contemporary. I mean, you know, going back to, like, the, you know maybe 19th, 20th century. But, uh, okay. but but I am not, I've never read a Mutanabbi. Or like, a or... Like excerpts, maybe, you know? Right. And again, I'm sure that that's very, uh, that's also like a very rich place to start. But I think, you know, if someone was interested in... Uh, you know, if someone said, where do I start with Italian literature, like I could tell them read Dante and that would be a great recommendation, too. But they could read contemporary or modern Italian literature and get, a, I think, you know, enjoy it, analyze it. And most Italian, not it's not that all Italians have read Dante. Have all Arabic readers read Mutanambi? Have all American readers read Shakespeare? I don't well, think that... Well, but, but ge- you do
0: swim in this environment where you've at least heard bits of... I mean, sit down and read an entire... Read Mutanambi's whole corpus. No, definitely, probably not. But, I mean, you know, you swim in this environment where you've heard snippets of Shakespeare, and, you you know, that informs how you read... Um, I, I did, you know, I, I do think that there's, you know, something problematic with saying, you know, go
1: back to the classics. Because, because especially as a starting point, I think you're going to, that's not what most people read in any, it's just not the kind of thing that a lot of people read. And usually when they're asking for a recommendation, they're thinking novel, short story, maybe contemporary poetry, right? Right, like, right. I mean, otherwise you're basically asking them to take a class on literature. right. <laughs> Kind right of. right, yeah, yeah,
0: well, it, but if they're asking me where do I start rather than just you know googling the latest release, right, is, is that what they want? They
1: want some sort of introductory class? well, you could I think again, you have the opportunity to sort of make a lot of little succinct points in this in your in whatever response you come up with, so one of them could be to mention one of these. These well, older I think classics, yeah. and to sort of say, say it's By a fifteen hundred literary tradition, right? It's not
0: your newcomer like English or French,
1: right? And and if if there is also like a kind of good accessible translation, um, you know, especially like if there is a if there is a if there is if there is a version out there that's also enjoyable to read,
0: right? Well, yeah, I don't I, when I did this in. 2010, like a million years ago, I went around asking, I don't know, maybe 20 different people to name the five books that you would read before you die, including you, I asked, you were on the list.
1: See, I don't remember at all.
0: <laughs> you, definitely, I, I remember don't... that you said Yusuf idris's Cheapest Nights, uh, which isn't even translated. So you were super
1: cheating. And oh. and you recommended... I, not just his short stories in particular, that story in particular? You said, no, the, the collection, Cheapest Nights.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And you said Ibrahim ekoni's Bleeding of the Stone. I love that book. It's a beautiful book. And then I don't remember.
1: Pro- what I think were. probably, probably Mafuz was on there. I'm not sure who else. I think Idris' short stories are, like, amazing. Idris's
0: short stories are amazing and underappreciated the way that short stories generally it's are. It's weird that they haven't been. They're not available in translation? Um, some, they're, like, scattered. Dennis Johnson Davies did this, um, the essential Yusuf Idris. Like, he did this, the essential Naguib Mahfouz and the essential Taha Hussein. But he did it sort of at the end of his life, and it was sort of, like... Mm. He just grabbed a bunch of stuff that was there. They're so sharp. They're so dark. Yeah, I mean, there are just some amazing stories. If somebody wanted to gather, do fantastic translations of Yusuf Idris and reissue, it yeah. would be amazing.
1: When I did um, uh, my so my master's was on sort of like portraits of the city in, in Egyptian literature, and he has this such short story called like kind of like the the bottom or the drags or something in uh. the city i think it's called medina mm-hmm. and it's just this incredible tour de force story that you don't know quite where it's going of this upper middle class judge who sleeps with his cleaning lady and then she steals his watch and then he goes across cairo to find her and get it back and so it sort of moves through from the fancy neighborhoods down to this like you know, the abject poverty that she lives in. But it also gets into, um, I mean, the guy, even as he's sort of slowly seeing the circumstances under which he lives, he never questions his right to get back. To go get from, his watch back. To go get his watch back. Um, but there is, I think, authorially, like, it, there is such a reflection on, like, Power dynamics based on gender, based on class, based you know, and these sort of spatial you know differences between different parts of the city. I just it blew. I was just being blown away. Yeah,
0: no. I now that you mention it, I can think of a number of stories where the characters move through different spaces that they're walking, and that you see these landscapes pass and change, and that that is part of. The, and his endings, I think he he has some really powerful. Not just surprising, but just, um, you know, the prose of it just twisting the world on
1: you and sometimes frightening me. Right. He has a lot of twists. He has a mm-hmm. lot of, like, sharp ends like that. There is something, I think, sort of cinematic about right. the stories. Some of them
0: have been made into short films. I can't think of one that's been successfully made into a short film. I think I've seen a short film of The Chair and maybe some other ones. I can't remember. Um,
1: but yeah, they
0: they are in many cases cinematic. It's surprising.
1: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, those are very good. I'll have to go back. I can't remember what I answered that, to that question of like other other than other than. Well, him. I think
0: uh, uh, the majority answer was Tayyip Salah's seasons of migration to yeah. the north. Yeah. Um, the second uh, biggest answer was probably something by Mahfouz. People had different opinions about Mafuz. Um, and then there were all kinds of outliers. Nobody chose anything contemporary. I mean, nobody chose anything, oh, except for maybe Sinan Antun chose In the Presence of Absence, which was a pretty new Mahmoud, you know,
1: yeah, at that time, I, I would definitely think that you could put, put Mahmoud Arish on that, and I mean that's. I wouldn't like have put
0: in the presence of absence only because I think putting somebody had told me, just don't tell them Edward Harat. Like, had I ever said I was going to choose, you know way out there experimental. Oh, I, so,
1: but I love it that you got answers of people like, just absolutely don't start here. <laughs> I mean, that's why I think these conversations are enjoyable because we all have very strong feelings about and it, the thing, the books that we've loved or not loved and, and wanting to share them or not share them.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like, okay, I won't. Um, you know, so there's probably I would choose something that feels accessible. It, you know, you know if, if I'm being asked by an individual, obviously I want to reflect their own personal interests. If they're into really dense and difficult poetry, g- okay, got it. Um, I, can, I can do dense and difficult poetry, but if it's just for a general audience, I, I mean, uh, what is it called? Journal of an Ordinary Grief? Darwish has some other prose that's, Hmm. well, see other people have told me it's not accessible.
1: But what about, like, memory for forgetfulness? Right. That's pretty That's pretty mind-blowing, and right. I think it's accessible. Right. And, I mean, that's a really... And that's available in English. Right.
0: I yeah, mean, well, I was surprised at myself that
1: mostly I suggest prose.
0: Um, I, I guess I expect that, that that's what they're wanting, is an answer of prose. But why wouldn't I say poetry? It's been...
1: Well, again, and it's like when you start to think about it, you start to also try to be kind of because again, you're not tailoring it to a single person, which is easier. Right. When I first hear the question, the way I visualize it is like I sort of I sort of visualize someone at basically at a dinner party turning to me and asking me, right? Okay. So All right. that's more the way I sort of imagine. Is answering the dinner it. party loud? No. Okay. No, it's like right. pleasant okay. and, you know, we're we're sitting around and, you know, I don't know, we're talking about the things that we do and someone kind of asks this question. I think some people more visualize it, a, a more formal thing, like...
0: I visualize I'm standing up at a podium and I can't see the people out there. Um, and somebody with a microphone asks me, so where do I start with Arabic literature? Oh, yours is terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe I have nightmares. You have so that's a lot higher stakes.
0: Right. And so then I'm like frozen on the stage and I picture myself
1: oh with this kind of stunned look. Right. I mean, I still feel a little pressure at the dinner party because it's, you know... They've well, if you mean, give if, them the wrong answer and they hate it,
0: they're never going to read Arabic literature again.
1: Right, and it's like, I've you know, if they've just been asking me what I do and I'm like, I review books, you know, mostly about the Arab world, and they're like, oh, okay, so what should I read? If I then I sort of like hem and haw, it seems like I, you know, don't, you know, I should have an answer <laughs> considering that's what I've just said, you know, that's more or less my focus. So I still feel some pressure to come up with something. Okay. And I don't have like a pat answer. You'd think you just reel it off and uh I really don't. It's hard I think to to recommend reading when you care about when you want the recommendation right. to well, be right.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I want them to love it. Right. And and if they don't love it, I'll be crushed. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and then also, but when you get into sort of um so So without knowing what the other person... Likes When you're sort of trying to give a general answer, you're also probably, I think you, you try to cover, okay, here's a novel and a short story collection and maybe some poetry, and I'm going to do different periods. Uh-huh. And also maybe not all from the same country. Right. And it shouldn't all be men either, which is like always an issue I find a little bit. You know, every book I've mentioned so far is by a man. And I know that there's not only but a lot of the especially earlier classics and books that i love you know there is they are high proportion of male authors
0: right right well particularly also there's an imbalance in tra- in what's translated as well right um you know you could start with Huda Barakat um you could uh you could start with Radwa Ashour you could start with her Siraj um you know there are there are obviously and uh uh, after Nadia and uh, Renem and I, well, it was Nadia who did entirely all the work. Put together this 100 books from 1956 to now that have been translated Algerian literature into English.
1: Right, this amazing well, uh, master list you guys have. Compiled. I did,
0: in consultation with her, also put together this six books where to start with Algerian literature, and that was much easier. Well, first of all, so we only got a hundred to choose from. It's much more manageable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have it all spread out in front of us, you know, rather than I'm trying to think, well, uh, what what's even out there? Um, and, you know, and then we, you know, we did want some balance, okay? Um, y- you know, something, Tahar Watar, Asya Jabbar. She's the one I've always wanted to read. Yeah, well, she's on our our list of the six books uh, we we chose well or I chose I can't remember the tongues blood does not run dry maybe maybe Nadia let me have agency there of which which of her books to choose and I chose oh short stories and and it was actually it was difficult so there's only two women on the list of um, six unless you want to count Yasmina Khadra who <laughs> You know, as as a guy with a woman's pen name, but then if you go, to... I don't to, think that counts. If you go to a but if you go to a book event, he'll like say something like, "I have a woman's spirit." It's not just why did you use a woman's pen name. He's like, says something funny about gender and, but well, it doesn't doesn't ring with me at all. So I can't okay. remember what it was, but it was very silly. And uh, but but when we were looking through these hundred books. We, we found that there were only seven women who were translated, and only one woman translated from Arabic. The other six had been translated from French. Mm. So, the huge, overwhelming number of books that have been translated, particularly those translated from Arabic, were, were men's novels mm. versus women's novels. And, you know, Nadia's focus being Algerian literature, you know, she could name many Algerian women are Arabophone writers who should be translated into...
1: Right, because for me the question always with that is what is the percentage of female and male writing in the original language right, right. and so is there already not, An imbalance. I, would, I would guess because there's, there's probably not 50-50 yeah, beginners 50, sure. 50 and then you add a layer of further kind of discrimination in the translation. Right, so and then you like end
0: up two, with very little.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, uh, across the board, uh, I think the statistics, all languages translated into English. Uh, Chad Post has, has this database, and I think it ran, it's about 30%. So worldwide, uh, it's 30% women and 70% men's work translated into English. So, and Arabic is, I mean, Algerian literature is particularly male-dominated in, in translation for whatever reason. Um, but Arabic literature in general is also approximately between... 20 and 30 percent in a given year, women's work to men's work.
1: Mm. Is that changing now? Like, is the percentage change shifting? I haven't seen the
0: percentage shift. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, many people perceive that women are overweighted in, uh, in translation. And I think it's sort of overemphasized that when somebody is, oh, look at this novel by women and um, but but numbers wise, it's it's still much more men m- men's literature that's translated.
1: Yeah, although I mean, my impression, for example, somewhere like Egypt, was that there were just more books by men every year, right?
0: There sure. are oh, m- men like, much more literature produced by men, um, but s- even among the the literature that exists, for instance, I mean, it depends on the genre, like. Poetry, for instance, contemporary poetry, there are a lot of really important, I mean, if, if you go through all of time, yes, you definitely will see men's literature dominant, probably like most places in the world. But cur- contemporary poetry, women women's voices are maybe more important, more prominent than, than men's. And th- that's not being translated. It's all, all the poetry that's being translated is into English is men's poetry. I I don't I it's not I don't I don't have any conspiracy so, theory about no, it. No,
1: it's just weird. And also I feel like there I wonder I mean I have like multiple questions about this. One being did the translators themselves used to be mostly men and now cuz now I I know of more female translators and does that make a difference? Like right. do women trans more often are they more likely to translate the work of women? And then the bigger question is do you, You know, do you think translators have a responsibility to kind of notice these things and try to go look, try to kind of write these imbalances a bit? You know, I think the traditional view is just like a translator kind of just reads and picks something they like and... But also often has a certain rapport with the author, like often they'll meet in person or, you know, that's how they'll get aware of their work. So, um...
0: Yeah, no, my conspiracy theory about Yusuf Idris is that he wasn't that likable and that's why...
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, personal things have have something to do with it sometimes, I think. Um, And then really, so you relate to the work, but I think sometimes it's also you relate to the author a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so that may also be one of the reasons that women are a bit left out I mean I think it's harder for women to do some of the not networking is a terrible word I hate but you know social the socializing around the profession around the writerly profession then is
0: a very important part of it yeah and yucky
1: well, not necessarily. Yucky. I don't like it. <laughs> well, come on. You know, you go, you go talk with writers, friends. It's not necessarily all yucky. Like, no, not that part of it. But if one were to be
0: promoting one's own writing, that part is exceptionally oh. difficult. There are some authors who are very good at it. Oh, at promoting themselves. Yes. Yes. And I, well. I, I think, I think that is the largest factor in getting your work translated. Is being a good self-promoter?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, but you—you you basically have like an extreme allergy to self-promotion, so it's really not gonna. You don't <laughs> like it, right? Am I right? Yeah, kind of. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm very ambivalent about it myself. Yeah, but it it does get you far in life. It does. It does. <laughs> Um, but so okay, so we're just gonna like not answer really the question of where to start with Arabic literature, but you did write something. I did write something. Yes. Okay. And I think I think it's an answer that you should actually maybe you shouldn't have a boilerplate thing. Maybe you should have to sort of think it up on the spot each time, let it change a little bit each time. Oh, I like that idea. Although, You you know. It's more work. It's more work, yeah. But you know that, like, there'll always be something that you read kind of recently that you might throw in. There'll always be a couple that you'll stick to because, you know, you really like them. And and also, depending on people's response to your suggestions, it sort of will evolve a little bit over time. Right. Well, I think maybe
0: the most important part is to
1: say something that I'm passionate about.
0: You know, not like, well, the right place to begin is with uh, whatever seasons of migration to the north because yeah.
1: Well yeah well it was voted
0: the blah, blah blah blah
1: right exactly no i mean i i feel like the thing that the thing about the question that that touches me is that you know you you want to succeed in giving the person something to read that they will be as moved by later on as as you have been right, right. so um yeah, and although without terrifying them
0: at the beginning. For instance, I thought of saying like Mustafa Khalifa's the shell, like
1: no, maybe mm. that's
0: not a good place to start.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a hard one. Yeah. It's a bit it's a bit brutal. Yeah. So I I won't say that. <laughs> that's not where
0: you should start.
1: Yeah. All right. And then but then you have these uh these great introductions like the one you're doing for Algeria, yeah, like so, the one you've done for Algeria, and I think you're working on some um, other ones, too. Morocco
0: is next. We're currently working on that. So we're trying to assemble, uh, with the help of several people, uh, a, a list of all Moroccan literature that is available in English translation, whether originally written in French or Arabic or Tamazight, if we can find any that's been translated. Um and then from that giant list yeah i think i mean i think you know for bread alone i mean i think i can guess some of the things that will be on on the list to of where you might start uh
1: yeah already for uh, bread alone i actually reread recently and it is good but it is also kind of like a, a a kind of a little bit of a hard one to get harder than i remembered huh um, I mean, in the sense that it's, it's dire. right? Like, like right. 80% of the book is just really brutally sad, kind right. of. M- more than I remembered. I think when I was young, I just kind of... Right, you're, yes. The momentum yes. keeps you going and you're less sort of... Somehow, I think, w- when you're a younger reader, sometimes you are less... The suffering in the stories is less real. I think it was for me a little bit. I I don't know. I think I find it harder now. But it has one of the most moving endings. Right.
0: So, yeah, so we're putting together these complete, I mean, hopefully as complete as we can possibly find, uh, of Algerian um, was first, and then Moroccan we're working on currently, and then Tunisian will be after that, and probably then Libyan after that, and yeah, and uh, probably either die on the hill of or entirely skip Trying to manage all of Egyptian literature that's been translated
1: into English. I mean, it's a it's an incredible service. It's an incredibly useful thing that you guys are doing. I don't. I don't think anybody else has done it. No, it doesn't seem like it. So I think it would be useful for you know academics, scholars,
0: reporters. Yeah, just anybody. As re-
1: and as a reference to, to you know when you when you're interested in. it. I mean. Um, so with Tunisian in particular, I think there's very there isn't much translated right. into English. Right, so that would be that would be good. That's good for me because it'll be more manageable. <laughs> and 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 one and I, I sort of came up against that recently because I went to I was on this reporting trip in Tunisia a couple of weeks ago, and um, often when I go to report things, like I've sort of. Read a fair amount before, during, and after, and sometimes can like work the books into even like a more um, sort of journalistic piece. And I kind of love doing that. Like, I think my ideal assignment is, you know, reading a bunch and then going somewhere and then some and then making those two kind of Mm. talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I so I spent like an hour in this bookstore and on. Uh, Afnubourgiba in downtown Tunis, one of the like great ones, and uh, with an incredibly patient and helpful uh, <laughs> bookstore assistant. And I couldn't quite, they had almost nothing in the store, I think nothing in English. Right. But so I was kind of looking for books that maybe were also available in English because I it kind of, for me to write about it for an English language publication, would probably be necessary. Mm. And there's just so. Little, I, and I just don't know that much about Tunisian literature. There seems to be quite a bit of interesting um, nonfiction too, like scholarly work, like essays and analysis, and and works of history and sociology, and so on that, that are that are very intriguing. Um, but in, I, I'm not very familiar with like Tunisian writers, and then it's it seems to be very francophone.
0: There are, I mean, Hassouna Mosbahi, Ines Abassi, there are some Tunisian uh, Rashida
1: Sharni. But so then they, I don't know if they're being translated into French.
0: Into French? Oh, maybe not. I, I don't, don't know.
1: know, yeah. I just wasn't sure really where Actually, to start, I know. and I spent when a long I, when time. When I look
0: at the Prix de Literature
1: Arabe or whatever it's called, I can't
0: remember seeing any Tunisian writers shortlisted for it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a pretty small literary scene. So there aren't, I, I at least, there weren't names or titles that I had already heard of a lot before. And so right. I could just kind of immediately be like, oh, yes, I've, you know, I've, this is, this ring so familiar that I probably know I should pick right. it up. Right. Um, I mean, one of the only writers I sort of have in my head, but it's much older, is Memni. Um, Memni, yeah. Pillar of Salt, that's available in English. But 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 contemporary writers. I was I was that person. I was like, where should I start? (laughs) You know, (laughs) right? I mean, I was also looking for something kind of specific that would speak to some of the to the article I was writing. So I was also kind of looking for a a certain type of or something that was both contemporary that was available in translation. My article is partly about women's rights, so I was also looking particularly for something by a woman or that had a sort of some feminist concerns. So that was for the article. But then I was also just looking generally, what is a book that I feel like I have to buy, Mm -hmm. you know? And and it's true that I was just, I was a little bit at a loss and also gotten a bit more conservative because I have so many books that I haven't read. Right. So now I'm like, you can't just buy three books because you're in a bookstore and you have to be serious about reading it. (laughs) Like I just, you know, I have... There's just too much that I'm not getting to.
0: Uh, really, I see I read an article recently that said it's healthy to have books on your shelf that you've never read. Why? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> but but I, I felt that that resonated with me because it's, you know, it felt like a good excuse.
1: I think it's great to have surplus. But, but what, I, what I find unrestful is to have books on my shelf that I know I will never read. There's books on my shelf that I'm like, that, I can't wait to read that someday when I retire. Uh. But but when I have books on my shelf, probably I'm never going to read that book. So I feel like it's not in its home. It, it's being wasted. That is so you lovely. Know, somebody would enjoy reading it. Somebody wrote it for it to be read. And then it's just sitting on my shelf. You know... It's in the wrong place. Maybe it's sad. (laughs) Exactly. I know. So it it is this like weird book guilt that I feel about having it. Um, so that also makes me not. What I ended up getting at the bookstore partly also because it had just been so lovely to me that at the end I was like I have to. Well yeah, now you can I have to walk out without buying. But I talked for, you know, a long time. As I did get a book that I've wanted uh, as a reference, which is um, it's a translation of this book by this uh, Tunisian, early Tunisian progressive religious scholar called Tahar Haddad, who people have mentioned to me like, many times in Tunisia. And so he wrote this book that um sort of quite ahead of its time about w- women in Sharia and society. I think it's called uh, Our Women in Sharia and Society, I think is the title. Um where he sort of argues for very progressive uh, interpretations of the kind of arguments that people are still making now and are still almost beyond the uh-huh. pale um, and he, he was uh, he died young and after being attacked by the whole religious establishment and stuff so that and that book I'm happy to have, even if I only read a few sections of it, it's it's sort of something I wanted as a reference.
0: Sure, you might need it. Yeah, maybe that's how I feel about some of the books on my shelf. I might need them. What do you know? Like, there's a battle or something. They're, like, my tools in the background.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I... I, I, Like, I had had Cairo Trilogy in storage for a while, and it was making me panicked, like, not to... I mean, what do I need it for? I don't know. Yeah. But I had to go get it out of storage and...
1: I mean, there are books that are almost like, talismanic that way, where, like, they sort of feel... I, I want them as objects in my house, kind mm. of. You know, like, I'm attached to the book. It means a lot to me. I mean, also, your bookshelf, I feel like, you know, is a little bit... I don't know. For me, it kind of represents what I like. Uh, you know, you you sort of rearrange it over time. And and frankly, it reminds you what you like. It's like half the time you can't remember and, you know, when when I was thinking about this, uh, what we are going to talk about today, I just was standing in front of my, you know, you just stand in front of your bookshelf and going, kind of, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, no, I do miss that because a lot of my books are in storage. Mm-hmm. So there, my Sable is crunched into a box. He's feeling very sad, for instance. <sighs> oh, where yeah. are they? In the They're States? in
1: Minnesota, yeah. Uh, yeah. In boxes, but. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to lug books all around the world. Yeah. Um, well, listen, shall we talk a little bit about the iPad? Yes, that I think. In the, the International News.
0: Prize for Arabic Fiction, which uh, a lot of people still call the Arabic Booker, despite uh, now more than 10 years of being scolded by the organizers that this is the International Prize for Arabic Fiction, not the Arabic Booker, um, announced their shortlist uh, this past week. The long list is 16 and it uh, has been coming out in January and then the short list is six. Uh, This is the first year that there have been more women on the short list than men. And although I did see, you know, um, sort of a kerfuffle when the long list came out that women were overrepresented and they were making a quota and they were forcing this, i got into any number of twitter arguments about it Mm.
1: uh we really have too much power you know (laughs) that's the problem
0: (laughs) um but i think if you look at this list um i mean who is going to argue with huda barakat being on on this list for her book the night post uh i dare you i double dog dare you um and that is coming out in 2020 from One World, I believe. Um, and then Anem uh, Kashashi, this is her third time on a short list with the outcast. And you could definitely criticize her, the American granddaughter for being on there. I think there's a lot of problems with that book and weird uh, stereotypes, um, n- not just about the American characters, but also the Lebanese and Egyptians. Um, and I think she really stretched to write, you know, not... She's, like, lived between France and Iraq to write about Americans. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sort of beer can, remote control, like I watched an American sitcom kind of thing going on. Right.
1: But this... This this is is hardly the first... I mean, but that has nothing to do with... I mean, there's plenty of male authors who've done similarly. Oh, that's nothing to do with being
0: a woman. But this book, um, I, I think... Anybody could be pleased to see it to see it on the on the long list. Um, uh, Adil Asmat, he's not Adil is not a girl. Yeah. Um, uh, the Commandments. He won the Naguib a medal for uh, Tales of Yusuf Tadros, which Mandy translated.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And so
0: he okay. This is his latest novel, and uh, and also it, it it's a. Small publisher that makes it on the list, Coup de this is their first time being on the list. Um, one of the, th- the criticisms that I do think is valid of this prize is that it's dominated by a handful of publishers, and part of that is structural, because if you've been on the shortlist four times, you get five submissions. I don't know. There's some very complicated, weird Yeah, there's this weird, weird thing where you sort system. of like,
1: um, you, get, you get points you get for having one, done it, for having right. been on there before.
0: Um, right. You get one submission if you've never been on there before. If you've been on the long list once, you get to – I don't – okay, it's very complicated, and I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah,
1: and it doesn't make any sense. I feel like every year they should be be starting out fresh looking at the books that year. You shouldn't get, like, weird uh, credit for having been on it before. Right. Well, so
0: their argument was that publishing houses were being started up just in order to send to the prize. So what? And my argument is – yeah, okay, you already stole my (laughs) argument. Sorry. (laughs) Um, anyway, but so, they're, you know, they're saying, well, some of these small new publishing houses send bad novels. Like, well, it's for a really bad novel. Read five
1: pages of it and toss it aside. Come on. yeah Let's... I mean, the problem is hardly that there's, like, too many publishers, I don't think. Um, you
0: know, it was getting to the point where I think 180 novels were being submitted.
1: Well, so give the judges more time or... I don't know, but... Or have a, I yes, or, or have some, uh, you can look at some other, I don't know, you, you could con- reconsider the submission criteria, I suppose, in some way. You could have some recommendation system, or I don't know, but.
0: Um, well, I, I I like the open hmm. system rather than, you know, the criticism of many of the English language prizes, or particularly in England, is you you have to. It's like a $5,000 submission fee. So mm. for smaller publishers, that becomes... So I would hate to see that yeah, with yeah. the International Prize for Arabic Fiction, that there's some sort of, you know, you have to contribute to the to the fund of having these books yeah. promoted. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, okay, cool. I uh, like Shahla the- is another one who... This is her second novel um, on on the... The list. Summer with the Enemy. Right. And her A Sky So Close... Well, in Arabic, it was A Sky So Close to Our House. And uh, in English, it was translated by Michelle Hartman as A Sky So Close to Us. Um, and, yeah, I talked to Shahla recently because I was working on a profile of her. And I did ask her about, do you think there's a quota for women writers? <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So... She doesn't think there is one. And she's uh, a lovely, thoughtful... And she comes from a very literary family uh, in Raqqa. Her... Must have been her great-uncle, although she called him her uncle, was a famous novelist um, who even had a New York Times obituary, so had international profile. Um, And uh, and her, her mother you know worked on memorizing poetry with her from a, from childhood and her father was an architect and wrote about uh, architecture and, and city ancient, the restoration of ancient cities and then she studied arabic literature and she also is an academic uh, but you know she just she speaks very she's one of those writers who speaks very interestingly about about the process and she's won mm. a huge number of awards in this very recent period so she was 2016 she was shortlisted for the ipaf for this novel that just came out in English translation, 2017. She was the second winner of the Al-Malkatah Prize for the Arabic short story, and then now 2019, her next novel is also shortlisted. Um,
1: and is, I said, th- you know—is she, she still in Raqqa? No, she, she's in
0: Jordan. She uh, she teaches at a university in Amman, and I think she's been there for quite some time. And. A lot of the strong criticism of her 2015 novel that was on the 2000, um, sky so close to our house is there's uh, a woman, at the center is a woman who's uh, undergoing cancer treatment while her family is, is in Raqqa.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And the criticism was that she's making parallels between personally having cancer and living under war. And the character Jumena, she feels that it's worse to have cancer than to be in Raqqa. And, I, you know, my reading of the novel is that was Jumana's point of view. And as she's dying personally, that was personally more important to her than even her family suffering under war. And she later felt guilty about this. Um, but I think it rubbed some critics the wrong way. Um, f- for me, it was a very powerful, from page 100 to the end, it was very powerful from, from when she got cancer to the end it was a very powerful exploration of, of trauma and, and its sort of different manifestations and how it, it, it can, sure, sure, trauma can make you selfish. Uh, for some other people, it, it felt politically icky, I guess. Hmm.
1: Well, I'd have to, I mean, I'd have to read it, but right. at least it, it sounds like, you know, it takes courage as a writer to go to these places and to have characters that risk... Um, being political, being being unsympathetic. Unappealing, unsympathetic.
0: I uh, think in some ways, Chumana is unsympathetic, and yet at the same time, well, she's having chemotherapy.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. Well, that sounds interesting. And what's the premise of the of this new summer book? with the enemy? Is is uh, is it much more of a historical novel, although part of it does also take place in in contemporary Raqqa. Uh, you know, I think she's. As she talks about it, you know, she's very interested in going very tight on the individual during wartime. So she doesn't, she doesn't want to have large narratives. She doesn't want it to be political in the sense of polemical. She doesn't want to explain the war. She just wants to zoom in on one thing that's happening to one person during
1: this time. Hmm. And you have an interview with her up on the blog or coming?
0: No, um, I wrote a profile of her that will appear on uh, Deutsche Well whenever it will appear. I don't I don't know. Okay. I did take some of the questions that I asked her. I did a, like a cutting room floor bit that I did put up on the blog. So uh, Because I asked her a lot about her favorite writers and what she read growing up and, and that sort of thing. And it doesn't make the piece at all. So I just yeah. took that. And made it into a separate thing than that is, so you can already find out which writer she likes and then on uh also on monday I, w- I have a long interview with Michelle Hartman, her translator okay about the process of translating the novel uh because you know I had my own opinions about how certain things should have been translated, and Michelle has very strong opinions about how things should be translated i mean we don't we don't argue or anything, but um we ask questions and we maybe don't have the same opinions always.
1: Mhm. Well, that's to be expected. <laughs> but that's interesting. I mean, I have to say that sort of sort of a writer that you uh, one hasn't heard of until a few years ago and then basically largely through this process also of the prizes suddenly uh, has a profile and Yeah, that's that. also something she talked about that doesn't make any peace
0: was this pressure of one of the downsides of this prize is suddenly you know she she won a prize a state prize in jordan um because she was a she was living in jordan and i think she had like a small reading public but to suddenly be on this world stage i i think was a lot of pressure particularly about her next book Mm. um and, and, you know, she saw that as one of the downsides of the prize, that it could really crack you.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, but that can be true of, of various forms of sudden success that one, in, you know, both wishes for and right, possibly, right. you know, can be overwhelming. Um, is there anyone else that's interesting so as, a, a, as a, you know... Kafal Zoubi, um she's
0: Jordanian and... <laughs> And she's largely been oriented towards translation in Russian. In fact, one of her books was only published in Russian. And I would, really would like to find that And mm. it's been ages since I've read Russian. But I, I think it's still there. Um, and she's been shortlisted for a book called White Sun. And then there's one Moroccan who made um, the, the shortlist, Mohammed Mazouz. What sin caused her to die? And I think that's his just his second novel. And I don't know him at all. But his first novel did win some Moroccan state prize.
1: And uh, w- when is it that uh, the final the winners are
0: announced? I believe it's April twenty fourth. I will be in Abu Dhabi on the ground will for you? the announcement. Yes. Wow. So, um, do you get invited to that? Well, I have I have to be in Abu Dhabi for the uh, to give some talk to some publishers on the twenty sixth or something ish. Anyway, two days after so today, I, I asked them, could you please bring me in? A couple of days earlier, so that I can attend this event. Um, oh well, that'll be fun for you, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, I mean, um, the mo- the thing I really enjoy is cornering. This is cornering the judges uh-huh. and like interrogating them about choices that they've made. That, uh-huh. that for me is my favorite part. So. I hope none of the judges listen to this because I like to surprise them. <laughs> they probably do. They probably do. Well, that's- well, certainly the former judges now,
1: they're like wary of me. They see you coming at the cocktail party yeah. and they're like, uh-oh. But these new judges, I don't think they know me yet. mm well, we'll have to have a dispatch uh, after you go there. You'll have to tell us, like, one, you know, the sort of overall scene and then whatever... Uh,
0: whatever to, gossip I, exactly. I pick up on the Exactly. I'm sure there'll be plenty of that. There always is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there was a kind of a... There was a piece in Herette's, uh yesterday that was an overview, kind of, of... I mean, it was meant to be just a, a shortlist piece, but she, she sort of salted in all, like including way back to gossip about the 2010 prize or which, I can't remember which prize it was, that Aloe Sob. there was a big thing of, oh, we know she's going to win. She's already bribed somebody. Uh, and because so-and-so, uh, one of the judges is her friend, and she ended up not even making the shortlist uh, for actually what's a very good book.
1: But uh, so this article is repeating, like, unfounded gossip from 2010? That doesn't yeah. sound like a yeah. great overview, actually. That just well, is kind of, of, yes.
0: I mean, it, it, it could have been a little more saying, well, this gossip turned out to be... Yeah, not true. Not true. I, I mean, it is interesting all, you know, the people. some people boycotted the prize after that for something that I don't think there was any
1: evidence that it really was going to happen, that the prize was going to be thrown to her. Um I think there's just always a lot of drama around because, you know, there's a lot at stake. Oh, it's a and, big thing at stake. It's yeah. not the $50,000
0: because there are much bigger money prizes. It is. But this this is the big prestige prize.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I, are you going to do you think read? Are you gonna try and read a number of these books between now and Yeah, this is it is good because you get sixteen
0: in in January. And to try and read sixteen books between
1: January and February it's like, what? No, 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 no. Definitely the short list. I'm I'm, I'm interested in the Huda Barakat. I'm interested in the Adel Ismet because I really liked the tales of Yusuf Tadros. Or, I, yeah, I thought there was, like, a lot of parts of it that were quite interesting, so I'm curious what he's produced next. And then probably now you've made me very curious about the the Syrian writer, the right. woman who's from Raqqa, maybe.
0: Um. Yeah, well, I'm gonna hopefully take the train to the Casablanca Book Fair later today, and I will bring this oh. to the shopping list and see oh, which yeah. I can actually obtain in paper rather than.
1: Oh yes, it's always way better PDF. That's right. I'm not going to the book fair this year. I don't think.
0: Well, you've got plenty of time to decide. It's just started.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, have, I, have, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. I'm not. I'm probably not going to make it this year. did we go? Did we go together? A year or two so. ago. We mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. No, I went
0: by myself last year. Oh, I did see I did go to meet Kenza. I met some people there
1: that you Right. I think I'm maybe getting you mixed up with her. Anyway, maybe we'll, No, no, no. My t- my two most bookish friends, that's all. Um, well, uh, okay, well so you'll have to tell me how you find it if I don't make it. Okay. And uh and uh or otherwise I'll I'll I'll, I'll see if I can pull it off. Um, and I think we'll just Wrap it up there for today? Yeah. Does that sound good? Yes. All right, right. We'll enjoy the fair later. Oh, thank you. Are you going to have some, like, giant suitcase full of books to drag back on the train? I will, actually,
0: because I have some other people that I'm buying for as well. So um, I was thinking a, a backpack,
1: but maybe... I think you need a little... I might need a roller bag. You know, the serious shoppers at the book fairs have the that's roller true. bags. That's true, that's true. They really do. I'm just worried
0: about the train, but...
1: Okay. Well, it's like a couple steps you gotta get up, All right. but I can handle it. It'll be better for your back. Right. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>